0: Hey, y'all. This is where Texas politics gets interesting. Here again are two guys named Jason, some great guests, and cold Texas beer for another smart conversation on Yolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas.
1: Hey there. Welcome back to Yolitics. Whiteley and Wheeler with you here. Uh, Wheeler, go ahead. You were about to, to start this podcast. I, again, I, I could I could see the, the, uh, the mind moving there, man. You were kind of glancing around the room trying to think of something clever to come out of the gate with.
2: And, and, and I think I was just mouth breathing. I wasn't actually taking a breath and getting ready to start there. Uh, thanks for being with us once again, everybody. Here we are smack dab in the middle of another legislative session here in Texas. Uh, and l- I think leading up to this one, usually, you know, you, you get this palpable sense of what's going to be on the agenda. Last year, it was the electric grid. It was very obvious that that was going to be the thing that lawmakers were going to pile into. Um, <clears throat> this time, I think, uh, in, the, in the months leading up to this session, uh, a lot of people have been wondering what's going to happen uh, coming out of what happened in Uvalde uh, last May at Robb Elementary School, where 19 fourth graders were murdered, two teachers were murdered in that mass shooting. Uh, there's been a lot of talk that, you know, that could lead to some possible changes with gun laws, ammunition laws. Uh, and 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 so, you know, leading into this session, we've really been looking for that, but at the same time. Uh, there's been this investigation that has been going on as yeah. to what happened that day and not just what happened that day with you know regard to the shooter uh, and, and and you know, what happened with the actual shooting, but what happened with the response there because uh, it's been acknowledged by law enforcement that there were tremendous law enforcement failures the entire way. DPS has been investigating this, including, investigating itself which yeah, a lot of people have had a big problem with that saying you know there should have been an outside investigator brought in
1: well if i'm investigating myself wheeler come on man well, what do you right. think is going to happen
2: right you're going to exonerate yourself and, yeah and so, jason so, Whiteley so, is going to look better than anything yeah
1: so it, i don't know if you saw the uh governor's state of the state uh, address on thursday night last thursday night but but he talked about some of his ideas on how to address uvalde he talked about wanting to to give school campuses, every single school campus across the state, the money they need to upgrade and improve technology, to harden their schools, uh, whatever they need. He, the governor said, this is what I think we should do with part of that $33 billion surplus we have. But yeah, you're, you're right. Before we even get to that point, everyone's still looking back at last May saying, well, what in the world happened? How did you guys mess this up? Law enforcement-wise, law enforcement, remember the leaders of law enforcement i'm not talking about necessarily the people on the ground the people in charge of law enforcement on the scene that day had been telling the governor different stories mm-hmm. have been telling the public different stories and then in dps's case uh, you know there are several investigations going on but dps the department of public safety in the state just wrapped up their investigation into themselves mm-hmm. into themselves And here's what they essentially found. They found out that uh, that, that they need to, you know, improve communications was one thing. There's only one person who was fired. Another person is apparently on their way to being fired. And a third trooper resigned. There were 91 state police officers there that day. These were all trained. And the buck stops with the leader, Steve McCraw. He's the colonel in charge of uh, Texas DPS. And we tried to get him on the podcast here. I reached out to DPS and said, hey, I'd love to interview Colonel uh, McCraw and ask him, uh, you know, kind of what he thought about that day, where things lie going forward. DPS wrote back promptly and said, I'm sorry, he is unavailable for an interview. But he is talking to other folks, Jason.
2: Yeah. In fact, he spoke with John King-Yonas from ABC News. They did a special called Crisis of Command And we pulled a snippet of what uh, Colonel McCraw had to say there, specifically about law enforcement accountability after what happened in Uvalde. And I want you to listen to this snippet here uh, before we get to a state senator who is demanding more accountability.
1: Clearly the, the failure right at the beginning was the inability of the officers on the scene to continue to engage the subject till he was neutralized, period. If you don't immediately confront that active shooter, lives are gonna be lost. Just because you're a law enforcement officer doesn't mean that you can't be criminally culpable in a situation like this, period. My belief is there's possible criminal culpability. Certainly there's malfeasance committed that particular day. And from our standpoint, looking at every officer and looking internally at our own officers, is that what did they know?
2: When did they hear? When did they arrive? What did they do at that point in time? So uh, he's saying there that, you know, Officers uh, could be culpable here. Uh, there have been people who have said that he ought to be culpable. Uh, we've heard from from different leaders uh, who say, you know, why does the the head of DPS still have his job after the missteps uh, on yeah. that day and in the days that followed?
1: And, and we're going to talk to a father of one of the Uvalde victims, one of the fourth graders who was shot and killed, who is asking the same thing, why Steve McCraw is still employed. You know, I, I said this on a previous podcast. Jason, but but I asked Governor Abbott about this when when I interviewed him last fall, and I said, you you know, McCraw serves at the pleasure of you, the governor. Would you want to? Do you want to keep him in there? Should he be fired? Should he keep his job? Was essentially the, the question I asked, and at the time, the governor said, well, you know, let the investigations play themselves out. So the DPS investigation, when the state was investigating itself, it found nothing, right? So the Uvalde County District Attorney she is still investigating this it's interesting because folks who are are really paying close attention to this say well why is this delayed from last fall when she originally said she would have have it out the suspect salvador ramos is dead in this case what more might she be investigating is she investigating the law enforcement response to it she's you know being tight-lipped on that understandably but we're still waiting to see what happens with that investigation and what if anything That might mean to Steve McCraw.
2: And a very valid point that's been made there is if if no one is under investigation, if she doesn't have plans to charge any law enforcement uh, personnel here, why is that information not public? If you've got a, a, a suspect who's dead and you've got no one under active investigation for criminal charges, why hasn't the public seen the information that has come from these investigations? So, you know, some people have said, you know, that's a cover up. Uh, I, I, you know, we're, we wait. We wait to see uh, what the DA decides there. We wait to see uh, the day that we will finally see the product of those investigations. In the meantime, uh, as we said, the legislative session goes forward here, and out front on this uh, has been the state senator that who represents Uvalde. That's Roland Gutierrez. Uh, he has been outspoken about the need for change coming out of what happened in Uvalde. Uh, He says that the proposals that he has made, I mean, a lot of these proposals don't go nearly as far uh, as a lot of people had called for in the wake of this shooting. He calls these very much middle-of-the-road, quote-unquote, common-sense proposals here that should be able to garner support from both sides. Uh, It looks like, though, uh, there will be a frosty reception uh, from conservatives in the state legislature uh, for some of the things that he's proposing, even though he says, you know, that these, you know, should be, you know, very much middle of the road uh, ideas. So we have him on the line here, uh, and and we want to dive into what some of these proposals are and what his thoughts are uh, as we come upon what nine months uh, since the massacre in Uvalde.
1: Senator, thanks for joining us. You are. Uh joining us from your office there on the third or fourth floor i believe at the state Capitol. It's a little echoey in there in case our our listeners are, are wondering uh where you are exactly the other day you had a press conference and, and you laid out uh with some of your colleagues five bills that you think will address uh what happened in valde we're, we're hoping you can just walk us through briefly each of these bills give us some bullet points what you think they would do
0: uh yeah i apologize i don't have the bill numbers in front of me but i'll go through them a little bit. Um, one of them is we're trying to do an ammo database. And so the best example that I could tell you is when we go to Walgreens and we buy suit bed, someone takes your driver's license and your information gets placed in a database. And the notion behind that is that the government wants to know if we're making methamphetamines. And so if a young 18-year-old kid goes and buys 900 rounds of ammunition at a store, we should be able to know that that's law enforcement should know that that's a significant event and at least have the opportunity to go inquire and ask questions to that person. Is the signal okay, guys? Yeah, yeah it's
1: okay. But if you could close the email there on that computer, it'd be great. We, we hear every time you get an email
2: on there. The outlook, maybe. And that'll probably just keep going and going. <laughs> if your email's anything like ours, and it probably yeah. is even worse.
0: Well, let's see if it works. Um, I hope that that was effective. I don't know if that's going to work, but we'll try it. Okay. And so that's our principal um, bill that we did yesterday, which was the gun ammo database. We also did another uh, particular piece of legislation that mirrored a settlement that was done by the Santa Fe families. Uh, They they entered into a settlement with the ammunition manufacturer and distributor uh, that sold the ammunition by by, uh, mail, uh, basically delivery, to the young man that killed those 10 children in Santa Fe. And what that legislation seeks to do is to prevent certain types of sales also create an age limit part of their agreement we're trying to codify their agreement in law which says that people have to identify themselves when they're buying and bulk ammunition by mail they have to it can't just be delivered to some random front door it has to be able to um we've got to be able to 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 know essentially who's buying the stuff uh we've got another couple pieces of of legislation that are about storage, uh, safe gun safety storage, keep it away from children, keep it away from 18, 19 and 20 year olds, at least safeguard it in such a way. And then the fourth bill is a liability insurance. Uh, If you're gonna have these types of guns, we should have some kind of liability insurance. If there is property damage, you'll have a $50,000 policy. Listen, if you're not doing anything wrong, that that policy premium should be a very small amount of money because there's so many gun owners in this space, a uh, hundred thousand for loss of life. Uh, we are not trying at all to take anybody's guns away. There's not a family in Uvalde who says that, at least when they come up here to Austin, they know the politics of the place and they know what their own neighbors would like to see in Texas. And I think it's very clear that what the legislation we proposed yesterday and weeks prior has been about gun safety, has been about accountability for law enforcement, has been about uh, making sure that we have adequate uh, crisis management when something like this happens again. These people are not trying to take people's guns away at all.
2: Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the politics of it, Senator, though, because you, know, you call this common sense uh, gun safety legislation. Is there, though, common appeal there in the legislature to take this up and to actually consider these things? Uh, and and have you heard anything from the other side? Have you heard anything from Republicans individually even saying, hey, you know, maybe this is something I can work with?
0: Yeah, that's a good question, Jason. I mean, there's common appeal amongst voters. Um, the University of Texas did a poll. Seventy five percent of Republicans are in favor of common sense gun safety solution especially raising the age limit. Um, I don't think anybody wants an 18 year old, kid that takes your daughter to the prom to be able to go off and buy an AR-15 as easily as this guy did. It, unfortunately, to your point, that common sense solution, or at least what everybody sees, most of us think this makes sense, has not been transmitted over here to the Republicans that are that are serving these folks uh, at the Capitol. And so a few of them have come up to me, a few, a few of them, I am in discussions with a few of them. We need six of them. We need six votes in the Senate. You know, we need about 11 votes in the House to be able to get some things done for our communities. And so it's my hope that it's those six that represent the uh, urban soccer moms the Republican soccer moms that are out there telling them, look, I mean, what these folks are proposing makes perfect sense.
2: So, are you There's telling those urban Republican soccer moms to, to give a call or an email uh, in saying that?
0: We've been trying to do that. We're pushing digital messaging into Dallas and Houston. We'll continue to do something. I urge people to go to do somethingtexas.org. Do somethingtexas.org will tell you who your legislator is. Um, put in your address, tells you who, you who represents you, and call them and let them know what you feel about this. And the other message that I have to my colleagues, if you don't like the messenger, if you don't like me, then file any one of those bills yourselves. I'd be glad to support it and vote for it. This is there's no pride in authorship here. I want something to get done so that we can at least try to make it a little harder from this happening again.
1: So you guys actually have an ad campaign going right now, Senator?
0: DoSomethingTexas.org is something that we have organically and my campaign has begun a digital ad buy on a series of videos and so we'll be getting more videos from some of the Uvalde parents there's some videos from me, based on some of the experiences that I had over those first three weeks in Uvalde where I just didn't leave. Every day for me was waking up at six in the morning, getting in the car, leaving San Antonio, driving an hour and a half, staying until midnight and coming back. And I got to know all of these people very early on. And we've been, we've gotten to be good friends with them. The hardest thing for me is having seen hundreds of hours of the body cam footage. Once I finally signed the agreement with the Department of Public Safety, as you know, I sued them to try to get the information that didn't go anywhere. And so we ended up seeing hundreds of hours of body cam footage, and I've seen their children. Uh, I've seen the most horrific scenes I've ever, I, I never wanna, I, I can't stop seeing them, quite frankly. Um, I think that America needs to understand how dangerous this thing is and how, how dangerous it is to have in the hands of young men that are unqualified and untrained to carry these kinds of weapons, militarized weapons that we use in a war setting.
1: I want to ask you about DPS in just a moment, but let me uh, continue on with the thought Jason had there about the politics of this. Uh, last time I saw you at the beginning of the legislature, you told me that, that if you can't get these, uh, you know, passed, that you would tack them on as amendments to other people's bills, which would force a vote. I, I guess my, my question is, thinking back about that comment you made is, You've got to get them out of committee first, though. And, and how do you get them out of committee before they ever land on the floor?
0: Well, again, we're hoping that there's public pressure that has committee hearings happen. That We're hoping that that public pressure occurs. And if that public pressure doesn't occur, then I will, unfortunately, and probably not very popular with my colleagues, do everything I can to put amendments on the floor. Uh, I know that my colleagues in the House of Representatives will do the same thing. Um, We should have votes on these issues. People should see how their legislator truly feels about these things. I don't think that there is a Republican out there, any Republican with any kind of common sense that's going to say, oh, so-and-so voted against this bill to keep this type of weapon away from an 18-year-old. If an 18-year-old wants to have a weapon like this and he goes in there with their parents and it's, you know, for recreation or for whatever it is, well, then that's that, that could be a plausible exception. We're not trying to keep guns away from people. I think the concept of, of of age is important because, you know, kids nowadays are not nearly as responsible as you and I were when we were working full time. And maybe that's not fair to them right now for me to say that. But the fact is that this young man, you can't buy beer, you can't buy alcohol, but you can go out and buy an AR-15 and it takes about 15 minutes to do so. And it's almost about as easy as as, as, as buying a a, a soda water. And, And that's what happened here. And when you see the imagery of this young man three days in a row buying this stuff, it's appalling. It's appalling that it is so damn easy when you see the same small the gun shop and, and you vow to give them a receipt that says, thank you. I was, I'm just gonna say it, Salvador Ramos, thank you for your patronage. You don't think that that's a significant red flag for someone to have called the sheriff and said, hey, sheriff, there's something wrong here. This kid is coming three days in a row. He's either gonna if you're doing that on the border, you're either going to sell those guns and that ammo to the cartels on the other side or you're going to do something very, very bad. But no one bothered. No one bothered to call the uh, the sheriff's office or DPS or anybody in law enforcement because we don't have anything in our laws that says that that's a significant event. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, I've talked to the most I've talked to conservative Republican voters Tell me, yeah, if you tell me that's how it happened, that's pretty significant. It's we don't we need something to protect us, to protect our kids. Listen, I'm actually kind of a middle of the road person. You know, I'm a business person. I employ people in my private life. I get it. And I own about nine guns. I just think that we have to do actually something in this space to ensure the safety of kids. And what we're proposing is the minimum.
2: So those bills that you're you're trying to get through here, that's one track of this, Senator. The other track is, and I know that you've been dogged on this, trying to find accountability uh, for what happened that day, specifically with the law enforcement response that I think has been agreed to across the board, including from law enforcement, uh, was totally botched. The fact that it took more than 70 minutes to go in and confront an active shooter inside a classroom with so many kids and with teachers in there. We had 376 officers on the scene there that day. Um, We've seen a handful of them now uh, fired or who have resigned. We've seen none of them charged uh, with any crimes related to uh, a botched response. We know that the investigation, DPS, you know, the, the state uh, law enforcement essentially investigating itself and and the response down there has now wrapped up. Uh, what are your thoughts about this uh, as far as accountability goes?
0: Well, Jason, there's so much on accountability and transparency still that needs to be had, even though that investigation is wrapped up. Not you or anybody in the public has actually seen any part of that investigation because it's uh tied up if you will in in quote unquote a criminal investigation the defendant is dead Uh, unless that prosecutor unless that district attorney is going to go indict a bunch of cops and whether she should or shouldn't that's not for me to decide the facts are that they failed grossly failed and it was a lack of communication from everyone it wasn't just the local school cop that screwed up The radios didn't work. There was no interoperability of the radios. There was no interagency training prior to that. If we're going to spend billions of dollars with a B on an operation called Operation Lone Star, you would think that Steve McCraw would do interagency training with the communities along the border. You would think that when this community in 2015 and again in 2018 asked him and the governor's office for money to fix their broken radios and radio towers, you would think that we would spend that kind of money since DPS is using the brunt of the money, uh, using the, the larger use of those radios is with DPS. We have to look at what's happening right now not from a Democrat stance, not from a Republican stance, but just from a common sense perspective and say, our system is broken. And we all believe that there was this veneer of, that there was this layer of protection from us and bad elements. The fact is, is that our system statewide is a thin veneer, a very thin veneer of protection. We have to invest in the things that are broken and listen to small communities that are crying out for money and resource allocation a mental health care in rural communities. UAUD wasn't just the story of a madman. It was the story of complete and utter systemic failure, neglect and disregard for rural Texas. We have to be acknowledge that.
1: I'm sorry, Senator, didn't mean to, to step on it there. The The first DPS investigation Jason was talking about is wrapped up. Last time I, I spoke with you, you said that you don't think that McCraw, Steve McCraw, the director of DPS, should keep his job. I believe he still serves, though, at the pleasure of the governor, uh, Greg Abbott. Last time I asked Abbott about this, he wants the investigations to end first before he decides what to do. The next investigation to end, the overarching one, my understanding is, remains with the district attorney there in Uvalde. It was that investigation has been delayed and delayed and delayed. We're, you know, we're closing in on one year since this happened. Any idea, any better indication when we might have that investigation, when, when the, the district attorney there who's kept things really, you know, you know close to her vest will will decide what to do?
0: No idea. She's been rather, uh, she's just been non-communicative on the issue. I know Steve McCraw would rather they indict the local cop and then the local uh, police chief that, you know, stood around and did nothing like everybody else, but they were all as culpable. You had 91 DPS troopers, including one Texas Ranger that, uh, who, by the way, wasn't fired. He is uh, pending his appeal right now. The first guy that they say was fired wasn't fired. He was allowed to retire. And the female officer, she actually quit. So there has been zero accountability in this space. Zero.
1: Senator, last question for you, and, and we'll let you run here in just a second. I, I'm curious if you could sum up the DPS investigation from your perspective.
0: DPS investigation, it should have been done by a third party. I know the Justice Department is you know, performing their investigation. It's going to take some tremendous time before we get that finalized. It's not as in-depth as I would like it to be. There has been zero accountability from the Department of Public Safety, there has been zero change from the Department of Public Safety. Uh, there has been zero acceptance of, of any kind of professional liability on the part of Steve McCraw. Let's face it, we all know he failed to train his officers. He failed to interagency train. Those are mandates that should come from him with local law enforcement along the border. I asked him that in the Senate committee. They failed directly. Those communities sent him emails directly. You had sheriffs from Del Rio and Uvalde and county judges in emails say, fix our radios please. They failed prior to May 24th. The Department of Public Safety needs a complete and total retooling. We all grew up knowing that DPS was the highway patrol. And we all understood that to be what they did, highway patrol. Somehow they have morphed into this, this version of highway patrol and border police and everything else. If you're going to do that, train them appropriately, train them to do the kind of logical response that's more than a traffic accident, more than traffic control You've got to be able to have people to make decisions so that kids don't wait for 77 minutes inside a school. The kids were braver than the cops. Hmm. That's sad to say, but it's true.
2: Senator Gutierrez, uh, thank you so much uh, for taking the time. Uh, once again, we'll, we'll check in throughout the session. Uh, it, it should be an interesting one and uh, to see where this goes and, and how effective that uh, digital marketing campaign is, reaching out to those, those moms in the suburbs.
0: We can only help, Jason, and with the help of the media like yourselves. We just want common sense here. Why can't we get back to that in Texas? Why do we have to be so pulled apart by these social extremes? Just do common sense things. That's all constituents are asking for. Thank you both.
2: Thank you, Senator.
1: You know, after the governor stated the state speech, uh, one of those proposals uh, was put to State Representative Dustin Burroughs. And Dustin Burroughs was part of that House committee that went to Uvalde, that spent 44 days in Uvalde, and was asking the hard questions about what they would like to see done. When the journalists at the State of the State speech were asking Representative Burroughs whether, uh, you know, we should raise the age from 18 to 21 to purchase a firearm. Uh, Burroughs says simply it's unconstitutional, it's not going to happen. He didn't have a specific that that he wanted to, uh, you know, propose instead of that as an alternative. Instead, he says, you know, we should all put our, our, our minds together and come up with some good solutions. Mm. You now, here's the deal. They have three and a half months left, and it's we're on, what, nine months now since this happened? Right. Families in Uvalde are waiting for something to happen. Families in Uvalde, victims' families, people in the community wanted a special session called last year by the governor. The governor didn't do that, but he did name uh, school security as one of his emergency items.
2: Yeah, and so those families uh, and and others who've been pushing for this, where do they go from here? What do they do now? How do they, you know, sort of uh, move the ball down the field here for what they're trying to get done? Uh, we wanted to speak with one of them just to get, uh, you know, an idea of you know where they are right now. What do you do uh, as lawmakers are, you know, battling about this once again? And it looks like that the battle lines are sort of where they have remained for years and years, even after this tragedy. Uh, So we got Brett Cross on the line here with us. Uh, He is the father of Usaya Garcia, one of the 10 year olds uh, who was murdered at Robb Elementary in that mass shooting back last May. Brett,
1: thanks for your time. I wanna ask you about the DPS director Steve McCraw first. DPS ended its investigation recently into what happened uh, in Uvalde and one officer resigned. Another was fired. Another is under investigation. But DPS said, that's it. We're done. What's your reaction? Yeah. to that?
3: Well, they shouldn't have been investigating their own actions anyways. I mean, you're not going to have, you know your students investigate themselves as to what they did wrong you're not going to have anybody investigate themselves so first and foremost that was wrong and shouldn't have been done it should have been a higher agency investigating the the actions or lack thereof that day and then secondly i i expect it you know um especially with who is in charge of dps um and the inaction that he poses and all the lies that he's told so it's really not shocking i mean
2: so so the cascade of law enforcement failures on that day last may and even continuing in the days after that uh, you know how how much hope do you have that there will be true accountability for what happened and true lessons learned to try to keep it from happening again
3: the, the only way that we're going to get justice and accountability is if we rework the whole system. I mean, with um McCraw at top, we've already seen that he lies multiple times. He has not stayed true to his word. So, you know, your officers are are a reflection of yourself. And they're inaction plus your constant lying. I mean, it's we're not going to get any justice while he's in there.
1: Bro, tell us about your son, Uzzaya.
3: Um, oh, He was just a, a live wire. I mean, he uh, was so, so energetic, always running around and active and playing his Oculus. And he was just, it was amazing. Um, you know, he he came from a, uh, before we got him, uh, he came from a, a pretty bad upbringing and he just so full of hope and, and love that you don't, you don't see especially from somebody that came from those situations
1: brett state senator roland gutierrez represents uvalde in the state senate he has uh some ideas with some of his colleagues uh, to address this one of the biggest ideas he says that that you guys want is to raise the legal age to purchase a firearm from age 18 which is current law to age 21 he wants to require um uh, identification if you go buy bulk ammunition these are you know uh, just to to be blunt these are non-starters for republicans um it, it, it it's not it doesn't seem like it's gonna it's gonna happen um so we talked about dps accountability do you do you expect anything to happen in the state legislature this year to address what happened in uvalde
3: um I, i'm not sure if i think that it will but you know like i said that's not going to stop anything and those are just common sense you know um bills that are trying to be put up you know you can't buy cigarettes or alcohol until you're 21 you can't buy things that are going to kill you but you can walk into a store two uh, two days after your birthday and buy two weapons and all that ammo and go shoot up a uh, elementary school, it just doesn't make sense, you know. And the same with the the identification on bulk ammo. If you buy bulk robitussin, you get put on a list uh, on a registry so that they don't, so they know that you're not, you know, making drugs. But we don't do that for so for somebody who, you know, buys that sort of stuff. I mean, it it just doesn't make sense. Uh, and a lot of these things are just it. It's common sense. You know,
1: is there anything that 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 is not being proposed that you would like to see uh, as as legislation in the state house?
3: Um, not as of yet. I'm I'm working on some different legislation that hopefully um, Roland or anybody else can put through. So, like what? Tell
1: us what that is, Brett. Can you?
3: Um, I, I can tell you one. Um, so I. Especially in, in the in the case of Uvalde, all of these officers were back on the streets and back in our schools. A, maybe a week, maybe a week after the whole incident, instead of, you know, there were 376 officers there and none of them were ever put on leave. In any other place that this happens, it's common sense that you investigate that these people are put, you know, onto a leave of some sort until the investigation is complete. We didn't have that here, you know? So, you know, I'm working on a bill that you, during an incident like this, you have to be put on leave until the investigation is complete,
2: you know? For for those um, proposals that are out there, including from Senator Gutierrez, who has uh, you know, really taken the lead on, um, mm-hmm. you know, trying to file bills in this session, uh, you know, he's fighting, as Jason was talking about, a, a very much an uphill battle um, I know that you were there when they had hearings in Austin about what happened, what went wrong in Uvalde. Do you see yourself there during the session as lawmakers are, are you know, possibly taking up some of these things, or maybe reluctant to take up some of these things? Will you be there, and and what do you do? How do you try to rattle a cage?
3: Yeah, I'll definitely if if I get informed that they're going to be voting on these things. Um, I I will definitely be there because I want every one of these people to look me in my face and see, you know, I wear Uzziah on my shirt every day. I want them to see this. I want them to see the the true nature of what they're doing and what they vote against, you know. And unfortunately, I feel that it's not, you know, these people aren't going to change their mind unless it happens to them. And I don't want it to happen to them. They need to wake up and realize that this isn't this doesn't just happen on TV, you know? This happens everywhere. And if they don't do something about it, they will end up with their child on a t shirt, you know. as, As
2: we learned after Santa Fe and El Paso, though, this kind of change is really hard to make in this state. Have you prepared yourself mentally and emotionally for the thought that we go through this legislative session and nothing happens. None of these proposals get taken up.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, you know, living in Texas. I mean, you you know what you're up against, you know. So, yeah, I, I'm prepared. Like I said, I'm not going to get my hopes up. But that just means that I'm going to fight even harder. I mean, we will not stop until there is change.
1: Brett, before we let you go, what message do you want to send to lawmakers? Or some who actually listen to this podcast. What would you tell lawmakers right now in the state of Texas?
3: That, like I said, you, you don't want to end up where I'm at, um, waking up every morning hoping that this is a dream, that you're going to get to go into your son's bedroom and he's still going to be there. You know, um, you don't want to have to walk around with him or your child on on a t-shirt. I mean, it, it isn't a fashion sense. It is, it's remembrance. You don't want to walk around with his ashes on your wrist mm. to keep them close. You want to be able to feel the love. You want to be able to kiss them. Good night. You want to, you want to be able to get onto them for acting up. I mean, it, it's everything. So do right. Do right. If you're not going to do right for our children, the ones who have lost their lives, then do right by yours, at least.
2: Brett, Brett uh, thank for you for time. yeah, thank you for for uh, sharing the story with us, and um, all the best to you and your family, and and all of the families there in Uvalde, and uh, our condolences here now, almost a year later. Thank you, sir. So a lot of families in uh, Uvalde waiting and seeing what happens this legislative session. I want to see, Jason, what happens with regard to what Senator Gutierrez was talking about, this new campaign that they've decided to run, this digital ad campaign, trying yeah. to find soccer moms, so-called soccer moms, in these uh, you know swing districts uh, around the state Uh, to reach out to Republican lawmakers. They're trying to get very specific and tailor the message to those moms uh, to see if maybe they can inspire them to call their Republican lawmaker in that district that might not be the safest of seats to see if maybe they can, you know, tilt this uh, in in, in favor of doing something this time around. I'm curious to see how that works out.
1: And even Senator Gutierrez was saying to, to come down and testify. When these bills get get uh, introduced into committees, wh- what will it look like down there? Will, will it just be victims' families? Brett Cross told us he's going he's gonna to be there whenever this is discussed. Whether these get out of committee uh, remains to be seen. I, I, I just you know, Republicans run the state government. I don't see how these get out of committee. If mm-hmm. they do get to the floor, um, that will be an interesting debate, and that's a debate that Senator Gutierrez really wants to see. He wants his colleagues, Republican and Democrat, to go on record with this. And one of the strategies he says he plans to use is if, if these are killed in committee, his five bills don't go anywhere, then he's going to put them on as amendments mm. to any other piece of legislation that is on the floor. And that would, that would you know require a vote on that amendment, on that mm. idea that he has, and that would actually put his uh, colleagues on the record. So yeah. th- th- there's a lot of politics to play out with this uh, in, in the three and a half months that's left in the state legislature.
2: However this goes, uh, you're going to be hearing uh, more and more about this in, in the months ahead. And uh, of course, we'll continue to follow it here uh, on Yalitics. Uh Thanks as always for being with us today. And if you haven't already subscribed, please do.